From New Orleans, Louisiana, it's Empirical's PowerTech Podcast. This is the place where we talk about bringing technology to the power industry. Our goal is to educate you on the most popular trends, bring you actionable strategies from industry thought leaders, and help you make sure your utility is prepared for the future. I'm your host, Matthew Sachs, president of Empirical, former utility engineer and power industry advocate. I'm really excited about today's program. We're going to talk with a longtime veteran of 3D modeling about applying that and other new technologies to substation design, and specifically how utilities can extract value from all of these new applications. Our guest today is Jason Philpot. Jason is the manager of technical development at Empirical, where he directs engineers, designers, and drafters in technical products and systems such as 3D modeling, augmented reality, virtual reality, and more. He holds a degree in electrical engineering from Louisiana Tech University and has past experience working in process and control systems for chemical plants and the offshore oil and gas industry, including the automation of the creation of 3D models for electrical and instrumentation equipment for offshore platforms. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now your background and expertise lies in modeling 3D industrial systems, so why do you think similar 3D technology isn't really being utilized in a power sector like it is in other industries, say building design or those offshore oil platforms you used to work on? While the power sector is technically the largest working machine in the world, given all the interconnected utilities across the country and further across the globe, they do not have the same issues motivating them to move to the 3D technology as their normal mode of design. If you think about it, early in their studies, architects build wooden scale models of their work because they know that paper drawings can fail to provide enough information to verify if their design will work or present their design in such a way that the client feels like it is even real. The paper only provides that information that the drafter happens to place on the paper or that they're told to place on the paper. Once those drawings are in the field, the person actually doing the work must manually interpret the remaining information. And at the same time they're making the cuts and assembly components, they're likely to make more mistakes than you actually think. So with computers, we can go even further and actually generate the drawings from the computer model. Having that model as a basis is a luxury which affords us the opportunity to automate data extraction from the model and from other parts of the design and have it placed strategically on the drawings, which at this point, are just reports from the model. So think about it, whenever you're trying to get reports from a database, you're not actually going to get that data yourself. You generate a report of what you want to see and you can manipulate what you already know is there. One of the main goals for every oil and gas offshore platform, every project that we've ever done is first oil. Because once that oil starts flowing, they're paying for the platform and everybody wants to make money in oil and gas. It's more competitive. The utilities don't necessarily have that competition maybe on the unregulated side, but for the most part, they're in their own world. Well, certainly there's many engineers and designers that are quite proficient in marking up prints. What would be the real advantage for those guys in utilizing models compared to, say, their traditional means of substation design? Fortunately, I've worked with a lot of bright engineers, some of the brightest in the world, and even those designers and engineers over the past 30 have actually found when they look at a set of prints, they're going to find something every time they look at them and it doesn't matter whether they're checking it for the first time or for the tenth time. They can find something to mark up. And some of those markups could be design modifications, could be an error, could be something that needs to be corrected, or it could be just a personal preference. And personal preferences aren't necessarily required, 
but they can't optimize the design. And while design optimization is important, it's not always something we want to do because it's only going to either add money to the project and cause you to run over budget or over schedule. Each of those markups comes at a cost, right? So by using the model to provide the data, the engineers and designers can review a model together and rather than just mark up the drawings, they can physically adjust the geometry, immediately resolving some of those problems that they see, or explore options to discuss with engineers and designers responsible for the final approval of the design. Furthermore, they realized that the 3D technology was a great accelerator for obtaining that goal once perfected. It eliminated some of the mundane checks or even the misinterpretations. Well, if they want to move to a modeling platform for their substation design, do utilities need to purchase the modeling software? Yeah, unfortunately, as with most tools, software is not free. They will need to lease or purchase the software. Some of the software companies have been willing to work with them, though, and on a trial basis, they can actually look to see if they can gain a better understanding of their ways of working so that they can ensure once they do actually lease or purchase the software that they have the best opportunity to make that software a success in their company. I've participated in some of these trials and have seen successful results, but the most important factor is you have to have that utility identify the people that can be champions and drive the software into a place where it can flourish and provide a competitive advantage over the traditional tools. Well, let's talk about that customer perspective here for a moment instead of the perspective of the design engineer. What value ultimately does a utility receive if their assets are designed in a 3D space. How do they start to see that competitive advantage over the traditional tools? Well, there are many different advantages. One I can really bring up is our company is based in Louisiana and we're in other parts of the United States. We have our own share of common natural disasters as well as the rest of the country. And whenever you're faced with some of these, you have an opportunity to get into that 3D space and re-engage into a model when someone needs to revisit the existing model. Having this 3D data provides the potential for rapid expansion or maintenance verification, and if they need to replace a large component and it is located where cranes or trucks cannot easily fit, 3D versions of the equipment in the model allow for the development of an entire work plan before anyone even travels to the location, which may not be available at the time. Well, not only that, but if it's a widespread area that's damaged, just the time it would take to visit those sites, if you can just pull it up in a model, certainly you can crank out a lot faster on that and check those clearances. Yes, exactly. And you know as well as I do, there's so many different substations in remote locations, you can't just drive down the street to get to them. Sure. So, or even hop on a plane. Right, right. So say a utility believes in these advantages and wants to move toward adopting this new kind of way of design, how do they begin? What's the first thing that they really need to think about? Knowledge of the software capabilities is probably the most important thing they need to know. and things you can do to get that is attending conferences where users provide their own practical experience with the software that will allow the utilities to actually understand where they can relate their own designs and any problems they have experienced and determine if the software would have prevented those problems. While they will usually focus on the cost and unfortunately while their budgets are important, the better gauge is the savings they can achieve by preventing rework in the field or change orders throughout the design and construction process which come from the misunderstandings and usually create schedule delays, which ultimately cause projects to go over budget. That's interesting. We don't often think of maybe the design being able to proactively impact the schedule. We tend to think the material and the construction element, but you're actually saying baked into the design is a way that it's going to allow for schedule improvement or at worst schedule optimization, even if you can't compress that schedule. You're better positioned to adhere to it and meet those deadlines. 
Absolutely, because when you start looking at, hey, is something not fitting together, you see it before you actually put it in the field and then see it. Hmm. Field modifications is the worst thing. Yep. The worst thing. Now, you mentioned augmented reality in that opening paragraph. How has that technology helped in these designs? So while 3D has been a great advantage for designs, augmented reality provides a better way to integrate the real world with the 3D geometry. The technology allows for viewing of the 3D models on mobile devices with cameras by taking a mobile phone and standing at the future site of a substation even while pointing the device at a target or graphic, which they usually put them on a little piece of paper and when you aim your camera at it, it recognizes it. Kind of like when you do a, I'm gonna call them scan codes, where you wanna scan an app, that sort of target. And once you look at that, it recognizes it, and the 3D model is actually superimposed on your device in that location. So you're able to see how it will look once constructed. And design considerations that you may not have seen whenever you were actually doing the design can actually be more visible with the state of the existing area and more apparent. So the reviewer can determine resolutions prior to construction or, again, final approval of design. I guess it's that other dimension of seeing that actual design, what it's going to look like in its element, as opposed to a 2D black and white prints that you're kind of relying on almost your own spatial awareness capabilities and imagination to do for you. Exactly, and 2D prints do not afford you that opportunity most of the time. Okay, so let's expand that to virtual reality. That's obviously big right now in movies and gaming. How has that helped in the utility sector? Virtual reality is one of those fun items which usually scares people in the business sector because when we mention it, the words cool or fun are generally used. And my managers have personally told me that they immediately think expensive and impractical. The actual reality is that you're giving the wearer of the technology, giving you wear a headset, an opportunity to immerse himself or herself into the environment they have designed or have been asked to approve. Furthermore, the gaming aspect provides the ability to introduce procedures and processes into that actual experience. And it allows the wearer to perform those functions and physically test some of the activities on the equipment to validate that they're conceivable once constructed. Training for maintenance, safety procedures, even orientation for new hires are all real-world applications. Not only is the wearer able to move himself or herself in the environment, they can actually interact and animate other equipment around them, such as having a storm come through with wind, hail, sound effects, and even vibrations because you feel what you're wearing. That almost sounds like you're doing a walkthrough just in cyberspace rather than in the field. That's exactly what you're doing. We have already started performing constructability reviews by projecting models on screens and conference rooms. However, you still do not get quite the immersion experience that you would get with virtual reality. Even better, you're keeping everyone safe by keeping him or her out of harm's way. So while you'll see the storm, you're not actually in the storm. I do think that safety training you mentioned is a huge point where you have a chance and at no risk to the individual there that might be new to the substation environment and the high voltages present touch and step potentials and so on a chance to kind of walk through at least build in some kind of familiarity with that and i think that's something that can be overlooked if we just think this is a design tool absolutely we can do checkouts for how do you enter a substation check off certain things make sure you have the right ppe all those apply and if you're doing it inside of an environment that's safe and you can actually perform the actual functions without i've touched the wrong thing because obviously if the station's energized you don't touch anything and by the way, I think cool and fun in our design is okay. I think that's something you know we like to try to do is that this can be pretty cool what we're doing, but I do agree that I think a lot of us sometimes have struggled to see the value and think, well, this is just really fancy stuff, but in the end, it's not going to be worth it. I think you're bringing on a lot of nice things that show that value. What other opportunities do you see with the 3D? 
when you combine some of the other technologies that we've already discussed with the 3D technologies continuing to be developed, you actually are not only seeing what you have, you're limited only by your own imagination. So I mentioned the work plans earlier. When you introduce the time factor for a project schedule into the 3D model using that animation technology, project schedules come to life. And we're using automation to integrate engineering variables with some of the milestones listed in the schedules and the designers can watch their models build for them. The engineers and designers get trained how to provide minimal information to get design started and then more complex information as the design gets further refined. So by placing those specific constraints around larger equipment which must maintain specific locations, other equipment adjusts based on the client requirements or the changing design consistency. Let me interrupt you right there. You're saying engineers that design this way provide much less than a traditional design because they're letting the software take their reduced input and then build the model for them. That's a huge time saver and therefore represents lots of added value. Yeah, when you look at the typical answers to some of the questions asked during the design process, you can strategically manipulate that data. Furthermore, you can determine some of the options which you do not want to implement, maybe some lessons learned from prior jobs and remove those variables from the design we have limited our parts to have standard height, spacing, and other options based on what the client wants, which could also adjust and create inadvertent design flaws if you didn't limit them. Sure. All right, we'll go ahead and continue then. What are the other opportunities that you see? So many times our basis of our project schedules, our procurement and delivery schedules impose on us by our vendors. By associating the 3D versions of the equipment with the dates, we can quickly present visualizations of all the affected equipment. And if delays occur from the vendor, we can adjust the schedules to better position the resources required to assemble, install, or even test the equipment so that time is not wasted. Some of our equipment is so large that it requires large transports to be scheduled. And given the expense of those transports, the owners tend to schedule them in advance. And if you miss your schedule window, the potential costs are limitless. So before you and the owner get into it, you don't have to worry about that issue. Same thing goes for installation and testing equipment. 3D models can be used to take a central location for all the data, whether to mitigate a crisis or to provide reports to upper management or departments for general knowledge. Now, along with the actual geometry, the visual field of geometry is limitless. The rendering capabilities being developed are so vivid that they have a lot of colors and textures that you can actually feel what you're seeing. Most interior decorators present houses in complete detail as far as the furniture and the walls and everything. The same can go for substations and transmission lines because they're designed to exist and provide a commodity, but they're also designed to blend in and not introduce a disturbance in the environment they're sitting. That's really all fascinating. You've touched on logistics, safety, constructability, quality, and speed of design. And if you think about all those things have a tangible tie-in to providing value. And so this is not just the cool and fun stuff, be that as it may, it's actually something that we can deliver designs in and utilities can extract this value all up and down their supply chain. Absolutely, and that's one thing. I think everybody wants their designs to work and the more you make that experience something that you can relate to, the more, yes, actually more cool and fun it's gonna be, but it's also gonna present something better for the client in the long run. Well, this has been fascinating, and I think it's great that here's a technology kind of really developed in other industries, but now finding an application in a new one, and, and that's terribly exciting. So I want to thank you for your time today and for coming on the show and, and giving us all this wisdom. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate it. 
Today's episode yielded great insight into the value of 3D modeling for substation designs. Technology now allows us to compile a modular set of components into a complete design package, not only reducing design time, but providing a higher quality design because the software produces the drawings, supplies the bill of material, and even checks the clearances. Now as great as all of that sounds, I think the greater value to utilities is incorporating those models with other technology, such as augmented and virtual reality. Doing so opens up applications related to safety training, constructability, emergency and outage response, all of which improves the value proposition across many departments. Well, that about wraps up this edition of the PowerTech Podcast. If you haven't yet, please log in to wherever you've subscribed to the podcast and both rate this show and leave a comment as that really helps new subscribers in the power industry to find us. Also, for more free insights on bringing technology to the power industry, make sure to visit Empirical.com. We post free white papers, articles, and all of our previous podcasts there. Plus, you can register for a free 3D strategy planning session call with one of our 3D planning specialists. Again, you can do all of that and much more at Empirical.com. Please stay tuned and join us for the next episode of the PowerTech Podcast. And until next time, keep engineering powerful solutions.